Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. I was going for some form of alliterative um, kind of vibe this week because um, up until Wednesday, every topic that I'd written down had kind of begin with T. So I thought, great, we can have some kind of, you know, alliterative thing. And then when we got to Thursday, the thing I wanted to talk about began with L. So it kind of threw it a little bit, but, you know, it got so far, we nearly made it. Uh, right, so we'll dig straight in, and uh, and as always, we'll start with a bit of that guitar. Monday. One of the great joys of having children around the house is the different take on language. Um, and this is obviously, this is something that, you know, initially starts when they're, when they're sort of wee things and, and you get the words they can't pronounce and those words that they can't pronounce then end up being things that you talk about and have going on in the house for years and years and years become, because things get rechristened into the way that, you know, a child in the place has, has, has named them. Uh, and to give an example, uh, when my eldest son uh, was uh, was small, he couldn't say uh, tomato or cucumber. So we ended up with Marto and Coombra. Um, and Marto and Coombra have, have stuck in our house ever since. And uh, with the youngest, uh, when he came along, he was a huge fan of, uh, of malt loaf. But he couldn't say malt loaf, so we got malt fulf, and we've lived with Maltfulf ever since to the point where if you ever actually asked to sort of ha- have to ask anybody outside of the household for those things very quickly uh, you know there's there's quite a lot of people around the family and friends who now know what Marto and Coombra and Maltloaf are or Maltfulf are. Um, it takes on a different significance then when you welcome a teenager into the house because that's a totally different take on language. And it takes, you know, it takes you back to the things um, that you used and were floating around when you were that age. So I remember when I was in my early teens, the word that everybody used was rad. Every, everything that was good was rad, um, which, you know, was radical. And at that point in time, it was all based around skateboards and around BMX bikes and everything, you know, everything was rad. Um, I think actually, if you go back, it, it probably came from the surfing community. But you know, in in the sort of um, early eighties, um, that was the that was the term of the terms that we had. Rad was the one I can really really remember as being the one. Um, and the one we lived through fairly recently um, with my eldest son was Peng. Everything that was good was Peng. Um, I've not been able to elicit why it was Peng and what Peng actually is a derivative of. So I don't I don't know what Peng is. And the only word I know that has that in is penguin, and I can't believe it's got anything to do with a penguin. So so everything for for ages was 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 Peng. That's moved on a notch because suddenly this week we got GDEM. And GDEM is uh, another one of these terms f- for which I can't work out where it's come from um but it's it's what you call a person who does something well so somebody does something it might be sport it might be on the xbox whatever it might be and they achieve something or do something and then everybody's like oh yeah you're proper gdem you're proper gdem 
And I, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't got a clue. I, I literally haven't got a clue. But I have to, you know, and, and of course, the, the fastest way to make these things uncool is when parents start saying them. So I adopted Peng. I quite like Peng. I use Peng quite a lot. And of course, that was the fastest way to stop Peng being used in the house. And as of today, I'm going to start using GDEM because I quite like GDEM as well. My personal favourite, and I think the one that hasn't gone away and that um, I, I get, you know, the I get the whole backstory to, uh, the whole reason behind, is bum sweat. And bum sweat I particularly like. So bum sweat is a term that is used by the kids when they spend extended periods of time playing on Xbox or PlayStation or whatever the gaming console might be. Um, and it is exactly what you think. If you sit for long enough in a position and you sit playing FIFA or Fortnite, whatever it would be, when you get up to go, you know, and grab something to eat or whatever as you do next, the first thing you notice is 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 bum sweat. Um, so I'm loving that one. I I, I, uh, I wholeheartedly endorse bum sweat. Tuesday. The cycle of clothes and shoes for me tends to now work in two, you know, fairly distinct ways. Um, one is that I buy something because it might be a fashionable thing or it might be something I've fancied for a while. And, and, and I like the idea of owning, even though I know realistically it's not something that I'm ever going to be able to carry off, either because it's something that uh, is clearly, you know, too young for me, uh, or it's something that probably, uh, and this is this is the one really, requires a different physique to the one that I find myself inhabiting. So I'd like to think I could get away with that, but in reality I know that I I know that I can't. And it's the same to a certain extent with shoes. And so you buy these things and you buy them as a statement and then you never actually you know, wear them much and they stay in the wardrobe for a long period of time. And you don't want to get rid of them because you still want to cling on to the reason why you bought it in the first place, but you know you're never actually going to wear them a lot. And then you've got the other things that you buy that you instantly slip into and realise they are comfortable and they are absolutely you and you, you know, you don't want to take them off. And because um, fashion doesn't mean anything to me in the way that, well, it never really did, but, but certainly there is no need to change something just because it's maybe not as prevalent as it was. So those clothes carry on being worn because they are comfortable and you 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 know you you, you like the look. Um, so consequently, you only get rid of those things actually when they start to wear out. Uh, and wearing out clothes didn't used to be a thing. And when you're growing up, it's not a thing because you grow out of clothes, you don't wear out clothes. But now you know now clothes get get worn out, and then it's that sad day when you have to part with something that has been around and has been part of your life for quite a while. Why am I telling you this? Because today I threw away my Timberland shoes and I have owned these Timberland shoes for about 15 years, maybe even more. I bought them from a, a shoe shop in North Conway in New Hampshire. Um, and um, I guess it's called Footleggers, I think. Anyway, it's still there. Um, or it was certainly there when we went last year. 
and they are were like they were like a pair of slip-on shoes they were quite quite a thing you know at that point in time and they'd got like like a molded kind of sole and they were the kind of thing you'd go walking in but they were the kind of thing you'd wear in the summer so you'd wear a pair of shorts and you'd put a pair of these kind of things on slip on slip off uh and they were in sort of a brownie kind of suede type of uh, of, of finish and they were the, the timberlands but i think merrells were the other ones that kind of they, they were whatever word class as a merrell and um you know, and I adored these shoes, and I wore them for years and years and years and years and years, and then slowly they got a bit scruffy, and I couldn't wear them for you know um, going out and be seen in them. So they then became that pair of shoes that everybody's got, um, whereby they're the ones that you go outside in in a quick moment. So if you need to dash somewhere and take one of the kids somewhere and drop them off, but you're not getting out of the car, it's great because I can throw my Timberlands on because nobody's going to see me in them. Or if I'm going to the bin or if I'm going to, or if I'm painting the fence in the garden or whatever I'm doing, you know, if I'm going in the loft or what have you, they became that pair of shoes. And to the point where they ended up, I stopped putting them on properly and, and just used to slip in them. So the, the, the heel got folded in. So they almost looked like a pair of, of slippers um and i i wore them yesterday to empty out the paddling pool so this this pool that i spoke about last week the 950 liter pool um uh, and let me tell you it's a swine to empty so that was emptied yesterday except it was holding considerably more than 950 liters because in reality all it's done for three or four days is rain so Emptied this thing yesterday, and in part of emptying this thing, which had to be ladled out for hours, by the time that was all done, uh, tried to tip the last bit away, you know, on one end of the garden just to get rid of the last bit of the water, and of course poured water everywhere. I mean, it was it was that crazy scenario where literally it would have been quicker from the beginning just to have got in the pool. I got that way. Um, and of course the shoes got soaking wet through and, and, and they got put by the back door to try and dry out a bit. And then, you know, there was a, there was a bit of a shoe summit this morning and I reluctantly looked at these things which were falling apart and coming away from the sole and said, you know what, it's that time. They're, they're going to have to go. And it was with a real heavy heart that I, that I let them, that I let them go. Um, and it made me, it really made me think then about how long you end up cherishing pieces of clothing and, and shoes now, because, you know, I, I've got a number of things that are that, are that old. I have a, I have a sweatshirt that I might have talked about in a previous podcast. I've got a, a gray, plain gray sweatshirt that is, that is considerably, um, you know, um, older. It's one of the few things that's that, that's older than than um, my marriage and my relationship with my wife. It was it was pre that time. So I've had this I've had this sweatshirt thirty years, and I still wear it from time to time, and it's still comfortable and it still fits great. It's a fruit of the loom one, absolutely fantastic, and you know, and and that's the, that's now the last thing. Now the Timberlands have gone. Then the last thing is really the is really the sweatshirt. So it was a it was a real sad moment now. And of course, you know the next pair that I get or what I try and find to replace them, if they're going to have a life of fifteen years, it might be two or three years before they're even worn in. And that just just feels like a whole challenge that I've got going on. So, so yeah, strange strange shoe times. <laughs> I bank with TSB 
Uh, and I've banked with TSP for a little while. Always banked with Lloyd's. I had my own my bank account when I was sixteen with Lloyd's in the in the town that I grew up in, and um, got unceremoniously dumped effectively by Lloyd's because when they merged with TSP, they kind of wrote one day and said, "Oh, we've closed your account. You were TSP. Now we, don't, we you know, almost we don't want you." Um, and I obviously I remember going to have a rant at the Lloyd's branch about it, but it made it made no difference um, because the branch where I'd opened my account originally, you know, back in the in, back home would turn into a TSB so therefore I became a TSB customer and, t- and and TSB actually have been very good and since starting the business about my business account with TSB and you know and, and they're fine fine I've got no problem with TSB apart from they're falling into the same trap that I think I discussed a few weeks ago with regard to the Apple Watch so uh, you might remember I I kind of um took took offense to the fact that my watch was telling me to do things uh and telling me to stand up because it needed me to stand up for so many times in the day as part of its health app and you know and to kind of spite my watch i wandered into the kitchen when it told me to stand up and had a handful of wine gums just to to, to you know to show it who was in charge and the tsb apps kind of so i'm getting emails now from tsb uh, my credit card statement felt that landed in the in the bank in the, within the the banking app um there's a messaging facility and i get all my statements and things virtually because i'm can't bear getting mail that i don't need and things being printed that don't need to be printed so i get i get the statement now just just pinged to the app and uh and I've, and it, it landed yesterday and the tsb emailed me this morning to say you haven't checked your statement in quite an aggressive quite an almost passive aggressive tone you know um you know what the hell have you been doing we 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 sent you we put a bank statement in your app yesterday or a credit card statement in your app yesterday you haven't looked at it yet you you must do better so i got a little bit you know i got a little bit miffed with tsb this morning and and did that thing that you know i've talked about in the past i talked to the email and said, well, you know, I know what's on my credit card statement. I checked my credit card a few days before the statement was generated. I know how much it is. Uh, as if as if anybody, well, I guess as if anybody was listening. Thursday. I was really hoping for a, a, a tea-based week. Uh, um, but having had teenage language on Monday and having had Timberland shoes on Tuesday... And having our TSB statements on Wednesday, it's going to fall down a little bit today. Only because what I want to talk about today is, I think, really important. Um, UK Music today launched uh, a campaign called Let the Music Play. And it's based around the fact that the music industry needs urgent government intervention and support. Um, we're at the point where... The live music industry is literally um, about to not collapse, but it, it potentially could halve in size. Um, and when we talk about the UK live music industry, we're not just talking about the bands. So that's a big part of it. But we are talking about the support structures that sit behind it, all the crew and all the people that make the gigs happen. So every one of those sound engineers, every one of those roadies, every one of those lighting people, every one of those people that sells you merch or whatever it might be when you're at a gig, um, they're in, you know, they're all in danger of losing their jobs because there won't be a live music scene for the remainder of this year and probably a long way into next year. 
the thought of people going into gigs and standing in their 500s, 1000s, 2000s in close proximity, that's a long way off. I don't see us getting back to that anytime soon. In fact, it, it's going to be one of the last things that we get to. Um, but in that time, so many people will, you know, will have their livelihoods will, have, will absolutely have gone. Um, because you... If you're a musician or if you're part of that community and you're living from tour to tour, then you just will probably face the prospect of having to do something, you know, completely different because eight, nine months is too far, is too far of a stretch or a year or however long it will be. So I wanted to just talk about, um, talk about the campaign. Um, and there's some things floating around on social media where they're asking people just to share pictures of the last gig that you went to or most memorable gig you've been to and use that hashtag just to raise awareness. The music industry brings about four and a half billion into, um, into, into the country. It's a huge industry as far as the country's concerned. And I think a lot of people forget that the creative arts in of themselves raise more money for the UK and bring more money into the Exchequer than, than virtually any other um, part of the economy. Uh, it's a massive part of, of, of the UK economy, the, you know, the creative arts and particularly music. I mean, theatre is a big part as well. And theatre is facing huge problems and theatre brings in, you know, 1.2, 1.3 billion. But music's, music's way up there in terms of what it brings in. Um, and I think we we really need to start thinking about how we protect that particular that particular part of the economy. I mean, live music venues uh, urgently need you UK um, the UK or the Music Venues Trust has um, put out a, literally a a last gasp appeal uh, that it needs fifty million pounds worth of government intervention to stop. Um, up to 75% of the grassroots music venues from closing and never reopening. That means all these locations where bands, you know, like going back from the Beatles through to people like U2 and Coldplay and Ed Sheeran, and this is, this is the kind of venues people cut their teeth in. And these are the, the these are the venues they came through, and those venues are just disappearing. So the opportunity for musicians to play live at a local level is 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 fast fast disappearing and it's it's part of the same the same issue and as much as we thought you know we thought things like spotify and streaming would help get money to musicians but the fact of the matter is it just doesn't musicians make a pittance from these kind of platforms um and actually the the whole model of music making now um has got to the stage where, in reality, the reason why the live music scene is so buoyant in the UK is because it's the only way for musicians to make money. So writing the songs and recording and distributing the songs is not earning you know, any, anybody a penny, particularly, and they have to get out and play them live. And to be fair, the audiences want to come. It's not that that isn't an industry that won't be able to be, you know, be um, rejuvenated. But in the meantime, it's the, the the structure of it still has to be there, because otherwise you will get bands that will just stop doing it and find other things to do, and you will then have a, a whole a whole requirement for for support staff that just isn't there. So if you haven't checked out, um, let the music play, um, and it's a, a UK music thing. I'll put a link on the on the show notes. Check it out, and, and whatever you can do to help. Um, you know, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend because it's a really, 
a really big deal. Certainly a big enough deal for me not to have to worry about something that begins with T on a Thursday, I guess apart from Thursday. Friday. Why is everything at the moment contradictory? We're going to... We, we're, we're supposed to be opening pubs again. To, I believe it's tomorrow. Um, so um, the whole thing is that we can get back out and we can socialise. And provided we social distance, we can we can go out and do those things. And then, of course, you get the nonsense of the, the two metres, not two metres anymore. It's one metre plus. Not quite understanding what one metre plus is. Uh, you know, if you can't maintain two metres, then do one metre plus. Uh, one, pl- one metre plus what? I mean, I'm personally, I'm actually more comfortable with one metre plus five, but that doesn't appear to be happening anywhere. But the, it's, you know, we've had the situation this week with everything that's gone on in Leicester. We've got um, Second Spike and a, and a local lockdown in Leicester. Um, so in one breath, we are, go out, go out and, and, and be part, go out and shop, go out and be part of the community, go out to pubs, go out to restaurants, go and do those things again that you used to do. And try and maintain social distancing, but if you can't, try and do social distancing as effectively the best you can. And for anybody who's worked out how far a meter is, a meter is how far you stand, you know, near somebody in normal life, unless you're wedged in. So unless it's public transport or a football match or a gig or whatever, is a meter is actually what you normally do. So we're pretty much saying, well, good, just go back to normal. But then saying, use your common sense, and adhere to lockdown and adhere to this quarantine and self-isolate whilst saying something totally different over there um and then we then we've got well you know we feel that kids should be back in schools but they're going to be in bubbles well they're not going to be in bubbles because they're all going to travel together on a on a you know on a coach or a bus going to and from school so there's contradiction floating around there and then you're not allowed to be concerned about what happens to your kids moving forward because actually in september if you don't send your kids back we're going to find you um but work from home but continue to work from home if you can but if you don't send your kids back to school we'll find you um and i don't quite I, i'm just struggling with the fact that everything at the moment appears to be a contradiction um and i i don't know i don't know how we're not going to have problems moving down the line because we're just giving just such differing advice um and it and it you know it it worries me and it scares me because we need better i've said a number of times on the podcast that you can't beat a virus with a soundbite and you absolutely can't but we need joined up thinking and I don't get joined up thinking. I just get reaction. And I get whatever we think is the right thing to say today, irrespective of actually it's the right thing for the country or not. I feel better for having said that. I know it's not going to end the podcast very well and I'm on much of a on much of a, a high point. And I don't quite know what to say to end the podcast on a high point, uh, really. Because the other thing that's floating around today is the fact that I'm still waiting for a refund from EasyJet for my holiday flights that I had to cancel six weeks ago. So don't get me started on that particular topic. So, uh, and it's raining, actually. I don't know if you noticed, but the weather's awful. Um, so I don't know what to point you towards to to lighten the whole thing, really, uh, this, this week. Um, just... Just think about the fact that ultimately, and it's Mark Commode, 
actually um, that says this on the the Mayo and Commode film show. Whatever happens, it will all be all right in the end. If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.